Okay. Good evening, everybody. <clears throat> Welcome to week number 10 as the weeks continue to pile up a little more than I had originally planned in the return of the Shadow class. Welcome back uh, as we begin the exhilarating project of starting the Fellowship of the Ring all over again uh, this evening, uh, which is which should be a lot of fun. Before that, though, uh, two quick things. First, uh, I want to make a... Um, uh, to make a, 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 a quick sort of reminder. Um, I know I've mentioned this before, but uh, 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 Mythmoot, there's a deadline coming up. The end of the month, uh, the end of February, is the deadline for new proposals uh, if you want to uh, possibly read a paper or if you want to uh, 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 maybe do a, a to, to do a panel. Uh, you and some other people, you want to host some other kind of activity. Um, the, uh, the, the, the end of the time, the final schedule will be coming out fairly soon, uh, in just a couple of weeks. So, uh, this is your last chance to, uh, to apply, to, uh, participate directly in that way, uh, at MythMoot. So I hope we've uh, gotten a whole bunch of really great proposals. Uh, so we, uh, uh, but there's, there's still room for more. So I hope if you are thinking of coming and joining us and participating that you will submit something, um, you can just go to signumuniversity.org, scroll down the tiniest bit, and you will see the MythMoot uh, uh, link there, the sort of the pane for MythMoot with the, the image of the ship by Valinor, uh, the wonderful Naismith image. Click on that, and that'll take you to the preliminary program and the event registration and everything else that you need, uh, all the links that you will require in order to send that to us. So... All right, that's the first thing, first announcement that I wanted to make sure uh, to make. Second thing, okay, so next week I'm traveling. It's uh, it's uh, uh, winter vacation here in New Hampshire next week, so my kids are out of school, and I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be traveling uh, with my family. Now it's still theoretically possible that I could do class, but if I do class next week, I'd have to do it early, like early in the afternoon, like 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, um, is really the only time when I'm going to be able, plausibly, to be able to do class. I can't do it at my normal time. <laughs> Yana, I knew you'd be excited about that. Uh, sometime that's not in the middle of the night over there uh, in Europe, but but I know that that's going to be awkward for people, so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to leave it to you. So I'm going to let you guys vote, okay? So if you're here tonight, you get a vote on this. Um, whether we hold the class at 2 o'clock in the afternoon or if we just, we just postpone. I'm, I'm, I'm willing just to you know, postpone and come back the week afterwards uh, at the normal time. Uh, so, um, so here we go. Ready? Boom. There it is. Should we hold next week's class at 2 p.m. Eastern EST or just postpone it? Okay. There we go. Uh, it's, it's a close vote. Keep going. Only got 65% voting. This is important here. All right. Wow, this is really neck and neck. 79. Every vote counts here, people. <laughs> I didn't expect the vote to be this close. Holy cow. Okay. 
Because, see, I know it's a non-trivial question because if, uh, you know, if I, I've, I've been really enjoying the live participation with many of you, you know, no, with all of you, I've been enjoying it. <laughs> I've been enjoying it. I don't want to don't, don't sound like Bilbo at his farewell speech, right? You know, uh, I like half of you, half as well as you deserve. Um, no, what I'm saying is uh, that uh, I know that it's, you know, I've been really enjoying the participation with you guys, and I know that you know, if I reschedule to a time that, like, more than half of you can't do, then, you know, it's less fun for everybody. Um, yeah, Mick points out that 2 p.m. is 5 a.m. in Australia. I know, I know, I know. Um, okay. All right. Here we go. Ready? Here's the results. Can I show the results? Close poll. Here we go. Here it is. Share results. Postponing wins 53% to 47%. Okay, it was that was a tight vote. With a, with a 80% of the vote in, it was uh, it was actually tied 50-50. Uh so uh that was uh that was uh, actually as I said actually I didn't anticipate it would be quite that close. Um so uh there we are. There we are. All right. Okay, there's my webcam back. Good. All right. So that's what we'll do. We will postpone next week, and we will resume the week after, uh, uh, where we'll be uh, talking, no doubt, about ancient history. Um, I'm also going to have, in preparation, sometime between now and our next class, I'm going to have a revised schedule, which I'm going to attempt to adhere to uh, for the rest of the time. It is my goal after tonight to to do the second phase and to finish the second phase in two more two more uh, uh, classes after tonight do I think two classes on the third phase uh, and then so I think probably after tonight we've got maybe maybe six more classes on the rest of the book that's my uh, that's my that's my humble goal we'll we'll see uh, um, we'll see how that how that works so yeah Phillips has spent time with my family yeah it's it's uh, yeah, I, I, it's not a terrible hardship uh, to postpone next week for that reason. Uh, I mean, I'll have the time, but, uh, you know, it isn't that there aren't other things I can be doing with that time. So, okay, done and done. Um, hey, Cowan, great. Uh, Cowan McCoff, uh, you just did it. Exactly what you just did. Participate that way. So I'm going to be uh, talking, oh, you know, so especially, so again, for those of you who are new, uh, especially when I put up a slide and I always read it through. While I'm reading it through is a great time to be typing. Uh, as soon as you hit enter, I'll be able to see it up there so you can start typing while I'm, uh, you know, you never have to worry about, you know, interrupting me or something because I'll just sort of look over there when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm ready. It's over. My screen is over there with your comments on it. So when you see me looking over here like this, that's what I'm doing is looking at people's comments. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I can see uh, just when, you, uh, uh, just when you, you type stuff like that. So... All right. Yeah, Yana, I am uh, still hoping to get an open uh, Q&A opportunity. I, I think that would be a good thing. Um, probably at the end, I'm thinking. I'll, I'll try to work that. I'll try to work that in, into the schedule. So, okay. All right. Strong work on the uh, the poll, everybody. That was, a, that, was a, that was an excellent democratic process. Um, okay. What am I doing? I'm just like opening my book and pulling out the bookmark as if I'm just about to start reading to you all, which I suppose I could do, right? But instead of doing that, um, let's uh, go back up. By the way, one, I wanted to return briefly to the debate we were having last time about the name Bingo, right? You may remember the question uh, that was posed in which we kind of ended up getting sidetracked on last week was when uh, 
Tolkien, it was you know, it was when we were talking about how he almost, but not quite, changed Bingo's name to Frodo last time, and um, uh, I forget who it was. Somebody was asking, "Is this another tuna moment, right, where he's just kind of oblivious, like he, you know, the name Bingo sounds really silly to all of us, but it, he he just is kind of oblivious to the fact that it, you know, how it's going to sound to like non philologists, right, and normal people." Uh, so, uh, uh, anyway, so, so what we're, um, um, I, we, we were talking about that and what I was getting from our discussions last time and the, the research that several of you were doing in the midst of the class, the question was, when did the song, uh, become popular and when did the game under that name become popular? And although there were, you know, some, some previous, um, uh, uh, you know, allusions to the song earlier on, and and you know, a game of that form in some sense was around for a long time. Um, I didn't, uh, um, I didn't think that there was uh, uh, much evidence that it was uh, kudoly around. Well, I got a, a very interesting tweet earlier uh, this week, um, and from somebody who thought to run it through uh, Google Ngram, which I should have thought of doing right away. Uh, and uh, you know, not that this is the the absolute proof of all things, uh, but it's a pretty good indicator, and it, it suggests exactly what I was thinking. Um, so you see it's right in the late 30s, uh, you know, in 1940, that the, that the, the popularity of, you know, that the, the word bingo begins to appear all over the place, and then it very steadily rises up through the year 2000. So um, with this, like, weird spike in the, like, late 1970s, um, but, uh, which is probably explicable to somebody, but, uh, but anyway, um, this, to me, this, this seems to confirm exactly what I was thinking. So, because of course, where we are, right, in Return of the Shadow is, is here, right, 1938. So it is just, in the outside world, it is, it is just emerging. Um, and I feel, again, if this, if this graph is in fact an indicator, uh, then I would, uh, um, uh, I would really, believe that I, I would feel much more confident in saying as I was as I was kind of already thinking last week, I don't think he's heard it. I don't think that Tolkien has much reason to to suspect. Again, the fact that it exists somewhere um isn't proof, right? Um what would be you know, the, the what really matters is does Tolkien know the song, right? Has Tolkien heard of the game? Uh, does he have any associations? Could he have any associations? And uh, this is the such early days in the circulation of this word that I don't think so. So um uh, but of course, it's pretty good, right? Because had he waited, and you know, it wouldn't have been published until around what around here, right? In this, and by then, by then, by then, it might have been too late, right? So uh, that's um, um, yeah, exactly. Brianna was just saying. So after the publication, Tolkien breathed a sigh of relief that he didn't go with Bingo. Exactly, probably so. Uh, if he was even yet aware of it then, but uh, but but yeah, exactly. Um, so. Uh, so, yes, Stephen thinks that clearly some people read early drafts of the work, which caused its popularity to take off. Yeah, yeah, I don't doubt. It was like C.S. Lewis, uh, maybe like people overhearing drafts being read at the Burden Baby uh, <laughs> that like started to spread it around. Uh, no question. Uh, the cause and effect there couldn't be more obvious, I think. Um, anyway, okay, so just to, I thought that was a great piece of evidence, so thanks so much uh, for that. And I'm totally forgetting the handle of the Twitter of the person who, who sent me this on Twitter. Um, 
but anyway, my apologies for that. Sorry for that. Um, okay, so let's start again. Uh, let's look at. Hang on. Let, let's let me for a second slide my. There we go. Okay. Um, let's look at the end. So this is now the end of the uh, the, the 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 reconsiderations chapter, the chapter we were looking at last time, where he pauses in the midst of the conversation between Bingo and Glowin in Rivendell and starts rethinking and reconsidering things, right? Um, so I had mentioned I got through all but two of my slides last week. This is, uh, uh, this is the, 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 the penultimate one, uh, the first of the two in which I want to talk about when he does go back and start rethinking what he would have to do at the beginning. And of course I was, you know, I, I, it's easy to kind of tease Tolkien about this, right? I mean, it was so frequent for him to get to bog himself down in his own composition because he was, uh, you know, because he would stop and start again rather than continuing on. Uh, you know, that is the doom of, of, of several of his projects. But, um, but, but of course it's really I think, you know, when we look at it, quite understandable why he would do that here, right? Um, you think about how this story has grown, right? I think about the state in which Bingo departed from Bag End, right? Having gone broke and sold his house or given his house away for some reason uh, and set off on his adventure. And, you know, none of this stuff. The ring, the ring wraiths, none of that stuff was, you know, so we've gone from... Uh, Going off to a completely unknown adventure, uh, which the only thing we did know about it was it was going to stop by Rivendell on the way, right? Um, to the Black Riders and the Ring and the whole Ring Wraith thing, the you know the 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 encounter with Tom Bombadil, the 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 meeting with Trotter in Bree, the attack on Weathertop, and and then the flight to the Ford. So many things have happened again, not just ways in which the story has developed, but the ways in which the characters and the situations have changed. We spent a lot of time emphasizing, always I spent a lot of time emphasizing, um, the whole Gandalf situation, right? How Gandalf's movements and actions are sort of increasingly um, uh, insufficient, I guess I would say, to, uh, to, the, to, the, to the situation, right? And we saw some ways in that reconsideration chapter uh, how he was already beginning to think through, you know, to kind of begin to sort of try to rationalize a little bit more why Gandalf would act that way. But again, even just thinking about that one element, right, it makes a lot of sense to kind of back up and say, wait a second, the problem is not really, the problem shouldn't be, why doesn't Gandalf stop and wait longer at Weathertop or something like that? Or why didn't he stop and wait for them at Bree? Um, really, the question is, why did Gandalf not leave with them in the first place? No, 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 wait. That's not really the question. The question is, did Gandalf already know about this? You know, does Gandalf know about the Ring Wraiths? Because remember, in a sense, right, within the world of the story as it's evolved in Tolkien's mind, Bingo and Gandalf haven't met since the invention of the Ring Wraiths and the ruling Ring of Power, right? Uh, I mean, last time those two met was at the party. Gandalf was setting off fireworks. Nobody thought anything was wrong. And now all of a sudden, the next thing you know, uh, before they meet again, you know, before the story brings them together, the entire subject and context of the story has totally changed. So it really does make a lot of sense to say, you know what? Time out. Let's go back to the beginning and especially to the connection to Gandalf's relationship with this stuff. That, for my money, is the number one thing that's different in, in, in Phase 2. 
is Gandalf. And uh, uh, so thinking about how his uh, situation really needed to change is obviously an important element. Um, one thing that I wanted to mention, though, as well, and look at me like doing all this talking before I even read the first slide. I know that augurs really well, right, for my success in getting through my slides today. I'm carrying on in my new resolution to get through in only, you know, six more weeks. But anyway, one last thing I did want to mention before we get before we dig into the passages is uh, something that I realized. I, I, I had a moment this past week when I when I realized I've been taking something for... I, I've been doing one of the things that I keep urging us not to do, which is taking for granted something, and it's Gandalf. And this is particularly silly of me to do. Um, what I'm forgetting is what I said in my Hobbit book about Gandalf. Um, what I kind of cautioned against in my Hobbit book about... Uh, in my Hobbit book. What I cautioned against about Gandalf in my Hobbit book. Right. Uh, which is, of course, Gandalf in The Hobbit is very different from Gandalf as we see him in The Lord of the Rings, right? And if we're reading The Hobbit and we're thinking about Gandalf, if we're trying to read The Hobbit kind of on its own and understand the story that Tolkien is telling and what's kind of at stake for him as, he, as he's writing that book, um, we can't be thinking about, you know, Oloran the Maya and his, uh, uh, you know, his... his purpose and uh, and you know his function here you know the the wielder of the the of of Narya and if we're, if we're thinking that way about Gandalf we're not really reading the book in front of us again when we're talking about the hobbit right because in the hobbit he's not that right i mean he's clearly not that um Gandalf grows and and and, ex- and develops a very great deal as a character and in his role in the story between what we see in The Hobbit and what we see in The Lord of the Rings. Well, so the kind of conviction I had this past week was, well, here's me ignoring that, right? Here's, I haven't said a thing about that. I haven't really thought about that much at all. Um, and I, I think it's, I, I really wanted to start thinking about that, right? Um, Gandalf, as we met him at the beginning, really Gandalf through much of the first phase was still really Hobbit Gandalf. Um, the guy who came and did the fireworks, right? The guy who came and did the fireworks was totally Hobbit Gandalf, right? The Gandalf who's like hanging out and chatting with dwarves and elves on their little wagon caravan to Rivendell from the Shire, right? Uh, leaving letters that say, push on, right? Catch up with us. Sounds like Hobbit Gandalf, right? So what I want to be looking at, one of the things I really want to be thinking about in uh, as we go back and look at phase two, um, when we begin this story again, uh, you know, retconning the entire story with the Ring of Power in mind. I mean, that's the really major thing, right? How to redo the party story, right? How to reconceive of the entire initial situation of this story if you know that the Ring is a Ring of Power from the very beginning, right? How do we set up the story that we're actually going to go on and tell? And of course, Gandalf is a really big part of that. And as we can see uh, in these early chapters, Gandalf is really the, becomes the very central figure of that change. So, having said all that, uh, let me look at your comments briefly and then, I'll, and then we'll, we'll, we'll start in. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, Peter. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, it, Peter says that he named his daughter Isabella and they decided to call her Bella. Um, uh, right 
as like right before the Twilight books were published, and then people always wrongly assume that they're fans and you know named their child after the uh, the, the 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 sort of. Um, uh, semi-invisible protagonist of uh, of Twilight. Yeah, that's uh, it's it's an awful coincidence, uh, Peter. Um, and yeah, I suspect uh, Tolkien might have felt kind of like that with Pinko, uh, had, had that kind of panned out. Um, yeah, yeah, good. Um, yeah, now Julie, that's a really interesting observation. Julie says, "I went back and looked at the first draft and was surprised that more of the Ring's important." Uh, that uh, more of the ring's importance was made in it than I first thought. At the same time, the distinction is so great that it seems like the difference between a child adaptation of Dickens and Dickens himself. Yeah, it is. It is a huge difference. I agree. We did see hints that the ring was important, right? But there's no real sense of how it's important exactly, right? Um, Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, good. Um... Yeah, Yana, I agree. You know, Yana says one almost has to wonder what The Hobbit would have looked like if Tolkien had gone back and, and, and brought, brought, you know, retconned it as thoroughly as he ended up doing The Lord of the Rings, which, of course, he, he started to do, right, in 1960, the 1960 Hobbit revision, um, famous and famously aborted Hobbit revision. Um, but, um, but honestly, Yana, even the, uh, which is not good. I, I strongly dislike that. I'm so glad he abandoned it. Um, but uh, yeah, because it, it was it was it was. I mean, I always describe the 1960 Hobbit revision as like the Hobbit with all the fun sucked out of it. Basically, uh, it's largely the same except no fun. Um, but you know, all the fun uh, you know narration stuff is is uh, is 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 there. But uh, anyway, okay, all right. Um, Sarah says, when does the concept of the Astari emerge? Sarah, great question. It's one of the things I want to be looking at. Right. Um, uh, to be following the trajectory of Gandalf's character, right? When does it, not only just his role change, his role begins to change already here in the passages we're going to look at tonight, if I ever let myself get onto it. Uh, but, um, it's, uh, it's, but it's not just about his role, right, Sarah? It's about even his very nature, right? The very concept of his character. So it will be interesting uh, to see that as well. Um, anyway, okay. Let's... Um, uh, let's get back to the text here. Okay, so these are again from that initial uh, initial rethinking there from the vantage point of Rivendell. Simpler story: Bilbo disappears on his one hundredth, written above on one hundred and eleven birthday party. Bingo is heir, much to the annoyance of the Sackville Bagginses. If you want to know what lay behind these mysterious events, we must go back a month or two. Then have conversation of Bilbo and Gandalf. The talk dies down, and Gandalf is seldom seen again in Hobbiton. Next chapter begins with Bingo's life. Let's pause here for a second. So we notice his first thought as he's thinking about what he would need to do. How do you have to make chapter... How do you, how do you have to change the structure of the story? Right? And, and because, so notice, first of all, let's not take that for granted. His first impulse is to change the structure of the story. You'll remember, you may remember, it's been a long time now, that uh, in the long expected party chapter, we got as far as, he, he got as far as four different drafts of it, right? Um, and the first two drafts 
the long-expected party was Bilbo's party, and it was talking about how Bilbo left the Shire. But in none of them, from the very beginning, the story wasn't going to be about Bilbo, right? The long, Bilbo's long-expected party, which corresponded to Bilbo's unexpected party, was going to be his farewell to the Shire and to the story, um, how we kind of transitioned, that, was, that seemed to be, in those early drafts, a bridge, right, from The Hobbit, expo- an, an explicit bridge from The Hobbit, and a way to introduce our new main character, right, who was going to be a descendant or something of Bilbo. Uh, Version 3 is when Bingo comes in, right? Um, And the story begins to be about Bingo, and Bingo is Bilbo's son in that first version. He becomes his nephew, you'll remember, in the fourth version. So the party shifts uh, from Bilbo to Bingo. Bilbo's disappearance gets kind of not pushed aside, but told very much more briefly, right? And the long-expected party becomes Bingo's long-expected party, which leads to his departure with Odo and Frodo uh, going off to see Merry, and that's what then starts us on our journey. So, looking back on the story as he has it now, he looks back and he says, okay, number one, the long-expected party should not be Bingo's. I need to give that back to Bilbo. Why? Why? Why should he? I mean, again, if, if in, when we were looking through that the first time, it seemed that the whole function of the long-expected party was, was, yeah, it was sort of transitional, right? Um, and the shift that he made from Bilbo to Bingo seemed to be one of just sort of wanting to give Bingo's character the prominence. You'll remember it was still an important element of the story when they were in Bree, right? Um, when they were in Bree, they, they were... Um, uh, you know, going under assumed names and everything because they had sneaked away after the party, after Bingo had played his joke, right, on everybody with the with the ring at the party. Um, so the fact that it was Bingo who had just left suddenly and under mysterious circumstances was a was a was a part of the plot all the way through this first phase. Um, well, now uh, um, we're shifting that, right? And but think of the significance of shifting that. It casts doubt. It it's it forces him to devise an entirely new departure scenario for Bingo. Um, and my suspicion, I mean, of course, we can only guess as to why he was making this change. But the effect, that that this is whenever I catch myself asking a why question, you know, why did Tolkien do this? That's always a trap because you can never answer that question. We don't know, right? You know, that's when you're that's when you're just doing pure critfic when you're trying to really answer that question. We don't know why Tolkien did it. Um, so the, whenever I catch myself trying to answer a why question, I always try to re- replace it with a question that goes, "What is the effect of?" Right. So not why does he do this? What is the effect of his doing this? Right. Um, what 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 change or changes does this alteration effect? Right, um, and the, the the primary thing that it affects by taking the long expected party away from Bingo and giving it back to Bilbo, the primary thing that it changes is it must change the circumstances of Bingo's departure, and also, by the way, Gandalf's relationship to it. Right, you know we've uh, we've spared Gandalf from the temptation of riding on the the fireworks wagon, right, with the dwarves and elves, uh, uh, you know, which which he was unwilling to tarry with, right, on the road by depriving him of it entirely, right. Let's keep Gandalf away from temptation, and uh, and 
put him in bingo in a completely different place. Now we don't know, right? We're, we're not told here um, in this, uh, uh, you know, well, yet I should probably go, carry on and read the second paragraph, but um, uh, you can see, of course, in the second paragraph how he decides to shift. But wait, one other thing first. Conversation of Bilbo and Gandalf, right? We didn't have any conversation between Bilbo and Gandalf. In the first version, this was, again, this is just the story of how Bilbo vanished, right? With the implication that we were going to see him again, maybe. Not in the very early versions, but in the later versions. Um, but uh, but now, um, the emphasis is on Gandalf from the beginning. Conversation of Bilbo and Gandalf. Presumably, again, in this context, I have to imagine, about the ring, right? Okay, so now what comes after the party, Tolkien? Next chapter begins with Bingo's life. Gandalf's furtive visits. Conversation. Bingo is bored by Shire, ring ring restlessness, and makes up his mind to go and look for Bilbo. Also, he has been rather reckless, and the money is running out. So he sells Bag End to the Sackville Bagginses, who thus get it ninety years too late, pockets the money, and goes off when seventy-two... 144, same tendency to longevity as Bilbo had had. Gandalf encourages him for reasons of his own, but warns him not to use the ring outside the Shire, if he can help it. Bilbo used it for a last big jest, but you had better not. Bingo does not tell Gandalf that looking for Bilbo was his motive. Okay. Of course, one thing that you can see in this, as we've seen many times, uh, that to me very sort of charming and delightful tendency that uh, Tolkien always has of having his notes and projections devolve into dialogue, right? If you want to know what lay behind these mysterious events, right, this this line of the narrator pops out to him, right? So he jots it down um, the way that it slides into... Um, uh, uh, you know, Bilbo, notice how uh, he shifts sort of seamlessly uh, without warning from third person to second person, right? But warns him not to use the ring outside the Shire if he can help it. Bilbo used it for a last big jest, but you had better not, right? All of a sudden now we're in dialogue again, right? Um, so what do we see? We see now Gandalf instructing Bingo, right? Um and the main thing is now Bingo's decision to leave, right? So the the sale of Bag End is no longer connected to the party. Um, instead, it happens much later. Um, Bilbo has not run out of money. Nobody the the long expected party doesn't happen because anybody's run out of money. But we're still going to keep around the running out of money, right? Um, uh, so. That's going to become... So we're going to kind of split those things, right? That's going to become Bingo's uh, motivation. But we have this um, recklessness, right? Recklessness and restlessness. Bingo is bored by the Shire. Ring restlessness. This idea that he has that uh, um, the ring causes the restlessness, makes them want to wander... We don't really know why, exactly. Uh, I mean, again, that's an easy enough question to answer from the point of view of the published Lord of the Rings, right? But I think with what we have, I don't see much uh, that we have to go on to kind of understand exactly how that works, right? But one thing that we can clearly get from this is that he's at least entertaining the idea. still a question mark there, right? But he's at least entertaining the idea that the ring is having some kind of an effect, presumably a negative effect, on Bingo, right? 
from the beginning of his ownership, and the way it manifests itself is in its is in his uh, his restlessness. Um, and yet, Stephanie, I agree. It is really interesting that that should be the thing that he chooses, right? For like how to manifest that kind of um, uh, that kind of uh, influence of the ring. Um, yeah, yeah, and Kate, you're you're absolutely right that you know Bingo's character has not yet become what it will be. He, you know, he he does not have the thoughtful maturity of the published Frodo, though he's you'll notice Kate twenty years older, right? He's seventy two. One forty four, I believe, means that that Bingo is one hundred or Bilbo rather is hundred and forty four at that time. Um, so he was, I guess, you you'll have noticed that the difference between their ages shifts around all frequently in these in these early bits. Um, but, um, okay, so, so we can, but again, notice Gandalf encourages him for reasons of his own, Rachel. Yeah, I was very interested in that phrase as well. Um, and, you know, Rachel says, has Tolkien explored Gandalf's reasons of his own, or is Tolkien still trying to figure that out himself? Well, we're not giving him if he does know them, right? Uh, so I don't really know. But I think that this is, um, uh, still a really important moment there because, again, what it shows us now, far from Gandalf seeming kind of oblivious like he ended up being, right, when uh, everything changed around him, Gandalf, I mean, right, you know, when the whole story changed around him and he was trapped on the wagons with the dwarves. Uh, But anyway, you know, now we see Gandalf, the concept that Tolkien has for Gandalf is of him sort of maneuvering behind the scenes from the beginning, Right, Gandalf perceiving something, Gandalf taking some action, Gandalf planning something and figuring something out, even though it's still very vague. Right? Okay. More. The new narrative sequence. Bilbo disappears, putting on ring at his 111th birthday party and leaves Bingo as his heir. Years after, Gandalf talked to Bingo at Bag End. Bingo is anxious to leave for his own reasons, and Gandalf encourages him to go, but apparently without telling him much, though he warns him against using the ring. Place Gollum chapter after long-expected party, with a heading, If you want to know what lay behind these mysterious events, we must go back a month or two. This presumably means that my father was thinking of making the conversation between Bilbo and Gandalf before the party, but standing in the narrative after it cover the story of Gollum and the Ring. The Gollum chapter would thus be in its final place, though the context here suggested for it would be entirely changed. Okay, so you'll remember that the Gollum material, the story of Gollum and how he was like a hobbit but was corrupted to become the Gollum that we all know and love, um, was something that Tolkien drafted way back, right? As soon as he began to work out this whole ring wraith thing, you'll recall this question of Gollum and what happened to Gollum and what the ring did to Gollum was was a question that he came up with right away. So you'll remember the parts where those conversations between Bingo and Gildor kind of became more vague and then pretty soon he was talking to Gandalf, right? And that one brief gesture that Tolkien made of rewriting a new chapter one, which was going to be a sit-down in Bag End and, and Gandalf, you know, Gandalf telling the story of Gollum and how the ring came to uh, to Bilbo and what it means and all that kind of thing, right? Um, so that's the material he's got. It's essentially the... I mean, it's obviously the place of the... Um, or it's a piece of what will become the Shadows of the Past chapter. Um, but so you'll notice the really important thing. The really th- the thing that's fascinating to me here, 
that was going to be with Bilbo. So he was imagining now Gandalf coming in as this sort of more informed figure, right? Um, sort of explaining about the ring and the implications of the ring and talking, th- you know, and sort of figuring out what the ring is and what it does. But that conversation was going to be with Bilbo before the party and not with Bingo. In fact, what we see here, and we saw in the previous uh, passage as well, was Gandalf playing his cards pretty close to the vest when it comes to Bingo, right? Um, Gandalf talked to Bingo at Bag End. They're going to talk, but we don't exactly know about what. Bingo's anxious to leave, right? Gandalf encourages to go, but apparently without telling him much. So he's going to give him a sort of a vague warning against using the ring, but he's not going to tell him much. Why not? Right? Why is, in this initial concept, I don't understand why Gandalf is holding back from Bingo. Um, and it's, it's, this seems to be a fairly temporary, you know, a, a kind of a fleeting concept that Tolkien had, and, and you know, there's not much to, um, you know, to, to, to base anything on to sort of try to pursue that and figure it out. Um, but, uh, yeah, as Christopher says, the Gollum chapter, right, the, that, that big chunk of Shadows in the Past, was going to be in its final place, right? We're going to get the long-expected party, and then we're going to get the explanation about Gollum, but it was not going to be between Bingo and Gandalf years later, right? It was going to be a recollection uh, of that conversation between Bilbo and Gandalf prior to the party. So Bilbo knows all, right? Bilbo fully understands the ring, I guess, right? That's what I'm taking from this. If he's heard the whole Gandalf conversation, right, the whole Gollum story, then Bilbo knows, right? He knows the implications. He knows what this is about. And then I guess is going to give it to, uh, uh, is going to give it to Bingo, Steve. Stephen says, this is where the name Bingo is a real downside. I keep reading Bilbo as Bingo or vice versa. Stephen tried, like, talking about this stuff aloud, right? I'm sure I have misspoken already tonight several times. I I know I do that quite frequently, and I hope you guys can sort it out. Um, uh, uh, What... um, uh, can can sort out which one I'm referring to when I misspeak and be patient with me. But Brandon, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Gollum chapter is Gandalf talking about Gollum, telling the story. If you can, you can go back and read it. Uh, Christopher gave it to us, but it was back in the um, earlier chapters. Where was it? Let me look in my table of contents here. It was uh, uh, of Gollum and the Ring. Yeah, chapter three of Gollum and the Ring. Um, that was right after the Black Rider came in and he started doing the Ring Wraith thing. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can see what that Gollum chapter was. Um, James, exactly. It would mean that Bilbo knows what the Ring is and what it means when he gives it to Bingo. And that also changes things significantly, right? And we'll watch... Tolkien working through that when he actually goes back in the second phase. Concerning which, let's do that. This is one little small observation I wanted to make, but as it picked up on uh, one of some of the stuff we were talking about earlier, I didn't want to leave it bes- uh, uh, behind entirely, but I didn't want to interrupt the main conversation with it either, so I just kind of threw it in here uh, in between. Um, uh, this one small note about the, the party in the second phase. To the guests at the select dinner party are now added members of the families of Gawk Roger, Good body in the Fellowship of the Ring, and Brockhouse. The latter did not live in the Shire at all, but in Combe under Bree, 
a village on the eastern road beyond Brandywine. They were supposed to be remotely connected with the Tooks, but were also friends Bilbo had made in the course of his travels. Um, I kind of like this, right? Um, uh, this is really sort of fun. Uh, remember, of course, um, uh, uh, Butterbur's comments. Um, oh, shoot, I'm forgetting. What was Barnabas? That's right. I'm like, what was Bar- What was Butterbur's first name? Barnabas. Y- you remember that Barnabas Butterbur um, uh, was uh, uh, was opining, right, that there's Bree blood in the Tooks, and that that was, uh, you know, that there's this story that that's what uh, uh, sort of makes the Tooks different. You know, remember that uh, alternative um, explanation of Tookishness, right? Um, which is itself kind of fascinating, with the Tooks being this, you know, grand, adventurous, you know, with, with, with much of, the, of, of, of sort of wonder and the marvelous about them, right? And the idea that all that is marvelous and adventurous and, and strange in the Took blood is just derivative of Brie, right? Just a, just a smattering of Brie blood makes them hugely special in the Shire. Gave Brie a, a really prominent position, and that was in the beginning stages of that whole little, you know, little moment, right, when we were getting that, like, wide world of hobbits thing going on uh, in the Fellowship of the Ring. Um, so, uh, exactly, Yana, the fairy wife is just a Breland hobbit, but you can see how how that story would come about, right? Um, the, uh, the, 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 the Tookish actually took a Breland wife, um, but generations later, you know, that story is remembered as him having taken a fairy wife. Uh, that seems to be sort of the the implication there, um, but uh, anyway. So I love the idea that that is not completely forgotten, right? He hasn't left it out. Uh, he brings Bree hobbits to the party, which is really cool, and mentions that they're remotely connected uh, with the Tooks, but also friends Bilbo had made. So we have um, Bilbo's wanderings. This makes Bilbo's wanderings kind of non-theoretical, right? Even in the published Fellowship of the Ring, we don't get a clear sense of where Bilbo has traveled and what he's done, right? We we, we know that he's met with Gildor, right? We know that he sees the elves sometime, but we have little more than a, a vague um, understanding of that, right? Um, so, um, yeah, Brian says that inviting outlander hobbits to the dinner party would have made Bilbo seem even stranger to his neighbors. Imagine, you know, the Sackville Baggins staring in awe at the these outlandish Brock houses. Um, I also realized recently that I had never understood what the Brock House name meant. Uh, it wasn't until I was doing the Tolkien's poetry class and going back and doing a lot more with the adventures of Tom Bombadil that it suddenly, like, dawned on me after having stared me in the face for decades. Of course, a brock is a badger. Um, so a brock house is a badger hole, uh, So which is... Uh, real, uh, you know, Tom Bombadil is imprisoned in a brock house at one point. Um, at least the, the house of the badger brocks. Uh, in uh, in the original poem, um, so yeah, I didn't even. It, it took me quite a long t- longer than I would have thought to figure out what the heck that meant. Um, but yeah, Brandon Gawk Roger, I know, right? Like I I have to kind of say I missed that one. Um, uh, the the I mean, Good Buddy is is a is a, f- is, a is a is a kind of a fun name. I don't know what Gawk Roger means. Uh, um, 
I think that Gawk meant then what it means now. I'm not sure of the implications of Roger in that context. Um, uh, but, uh, but it's certainly a funnier name, no question, right? Um, and even Brockhouse is kind of funny in a, in a, in a, in a, in a Hobbit context, right? Um, you know, to call some, you know, to, for somebody's family to be named Brockhouse is like, you know, they, they're, they live in holes in this, you know, in like the side of a hill, right? Uh, like, just like badgers. So, uh, I can't tell if that's like a good thing or if it's kind of an insult, but, uh, um, anyway, yeah. <laughs> Stephen, Stephen Cover says, I'm just rather glad it wasn't Marmaduke Gawk Roger. Um, yes, I suppose. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Aha, uh-huh, there we go, Yana, looking it up. There we go, very good. Uh, Yana says, Gawk Roger is a surname. And now, that, of course, is very common. Um, a lot of the, really most of the Hobbit names are actual English surnames. Now, he's chosen out of the the English surnames for his own reasons, right? Um so, uh, but, uh, but yes, most of them are. So, okay, the surname is derived from a nickname, Awkward Roger. Okay, okay. A Yorkshire name that has ramified strongly and is found in every local directory. Really? So they're, like, in Yorkshire, there are just, there are Gawk Rogers everywhere? Wow. Yeah. So, um, uh, so there you are. See, Karita, you did miss your chance. You know, you just should if you'd gone to Yorkshire, you know, just think. You could have changed your name to Gawk Roger Alexander, as you say. Um, yeah, so there you are. There you are. Um, okay, thanks for looking that up, Donna. Appreciate that. Anyway, okay, so uh, a brief uh, note about uh, how silly I feel about Brockhouse and uh, about the bringing in of Bree Hobbits. Um, what does this suggest about the situation of Brie and the importance of Brie in the narrative, and how might this be relevant later on? We don't know, because, you know, uh, but well, but we'll see when we get there. Um, all right. But now, on to the main thing. Uh, here is his initial outline of what he's going to do with the early chapters, right? So now, so bef- what we were looking at before was what he was writing. Um, you know, when he was rethinking stuff in Rivendell. Now he's actually sitting down to start it again. And here are his, here's his first set of notes. Bilbo disappears on his 111th birthday. Long-expected party chapter, suitably altered up to point where Gandalf disappears into Bag End. Then a short conversation between Gandalf and Bilbo inside. So, suitably altered, presumably meaning, you know, with the way that the characters are shifting, and of course it's going to be Bilbo's party now, still, obviously. Um... But uh, Gandalf disappearing into Bag End, presume, I, I believe that means when he arrives with the fireworks, right? So he comes in with the wagon with the fireworks and his mark and the children want fireworks and he doesn't give them to them, right? That, that whole scene was there from the second draft of uh, the long-expected party. So then he goes in and then we're going to get a short conversation between Gandalf and Bilbo inside. Bilbo says it is becoming wearisome, stretched feeling. He must get rid of it. Now, I assume the it is the ring here, right? He says it is that the ring is becoming wearisome and he must get rid of it, the ring. 
Of course, it's possible that he means he must get rid of the stretched feeling, but I think he means the ring. Also, he is tired of Hobbiton. He feels a great desire to go away. Dragon gold curse or ring? Where are you going? I don't know. Take care. I don't care. He gets Gandalf to promise to hand on ring to his heir, Bingo. He leaves it to him. But I don't want him to worry or to try and follow, not yet. So he does not even tell Bingo of the joke. At end of chapter, make Bilbo say goodbye to Gandalf at gate, hand him package with the ring for Bingo, and disappear. Okay, let's kind of parse this a little bit here first. Um, So, the first thing that we get in this second paragraph, right, when he goes back and conceives of chapter one with the new idea of the ring in the picture, right, the first thing that we get is Bilbo's relationship with the ring has changed very significantly. Um, Before he handed on the ring as a matter of course, right? It still wasn't that important. It certainly wasn't very ominous uh, in the early drafts of chapter one. Now it's ominous and Bilbo knows it, right? It has a, he is aware of the effect that it's having on him. And he's not just aware of it. He ha- decides Bilbo is motivated, independently motivated, to get rid of it, right? Um... Also, he is tired of Hobbit, and he feels a great desire to go away. Is that... Remember in the previous notes, he had mentioned maybe ring ring restlessness was going to be responsible for this? But notice we still got the dragon gold curse. He's not let that go. Remember, that was one of his first ideas. Um, Because it's always one of his ideas. We've talked about this before. Tolkien loves dragon gold curses, right? I mean, half the Silmarillion was about a dragon gold curse back in the old days, uh, you know, back in the Book of Lost Tales and stuff. So absolutely he's thinking about dragon gold curses. But but he still brings that in, right? Um, he still brings in the concept of the dragon gold curse. So even though the ring has already become the ruling ring, right? It's become, you know, and the ring wraiths and the wraithification and all that stuff, right? Um, it's that's all that stuff is in the picture. Yet he still, at least briefly, contemplates bringing in a, the dragon gold curse as a factor here. Or ring, maybe, maybe it's the ring, right? Um, so that by itself is, uh, is kind of, uh, is kind of fascinating. Um, so, okay, so he's tired, he wants to go away, he's restless, probably because of the ring, though, maybe because of a dragon curse. Um, then we get the, this, the the narrative, right? Where are you going? I don't know. Take care. I don't care, right? Those lines pop in and he jots them down. Notice Gandalf's role. Gandalf is the transmitter of the ring. He gets Gandalf to promise to hand on the ring, and he hands the package with the ring to Gandalf in order to give to Bingo, right? Um, so, a couple things here. First, of course, Gandalf's role, right? Um, the fact that Gandalf is, in fact, the possessor of the ring for a time here uh, in this uh, uh, in this version, Right? In the context of later stuff, that's important. Um, At this point, it doesn't seem to me like much of a big deal now, apart from the role in which it places Gandalf, right? Now Gandalf is central, 
right? Literally central. He's standing between Bingo and Bilbo. Um, he is the transition point from one protagonist, from the old protagonist to the new protagonist, right? Um, he is the one who, like, takes the ring from the old protagonist and waves goodbye to him and then hands, you know, the ring, which is the center of the story, on to the new protagonist. This is a, is a, you know, is that a complete step away from, you know, his story as we saw from Gandalf's role in the story as we knew it in The Hobbit? No, not a complete departure. You know, he's the, he's the story maker, right? He's the adventure bringer. Um, but this is not bringing adventures, right? It's not just like adventures pop up wherever he goes. That's what he was like in The Hobbit. It's not like that, right? This is like him as steward, him as custodian, him being... There's there's a kind of authority that Gandalf has here that he didn't exactly have in the early story, I would say. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Bilbo gets Gandalf to promise. Does Bilbo doubt whether Gandalf is going to do it? Right? Make sure you don't keep it for yourself. Is that the implication of that? Would is there a chance Gandalf might? Is, does that mean that Bilbo is suspicious? Right? Maybe. With how it turns out, I doubt the latter. I don't think that this means that. I mean, it's easy for us to think that, right? Knowing what Bilbo does in the published Fellowship of the Ring, the idea that he would be suspicious of Gandalf and his motivation sounds perfectly fitting, right? But as we'll see, that's not how things go at all in this version. It's not how things go at all in the second phase. Um, the suspicious, you know, you won't take my ring from, you know, from me, I tell you, Bilbo that we get in the published version is still a ways away, right? Um, interesting. Stephen says it reminds me of Bilbo pressing his keys into Gandalf's hands in The Hobbit. Um, yeah, yeah, it is like that. I mean, I guess you could say uh, it's still, it does put Gandalf in a different Situation it gives him a different kind of role, um, but maybe it's maybe you're right, Stephen. Maybe it's not a completely different kind of authority, um, that uh, different from what Gandalf showed in The Hobbit. Anyway, let's go on. Chapter two is then Bingo, furtive visits of Gandalf. Gandalf urges him to go off for reasons of his own. There's that phrase again. Um, again, so Gandalf making plans and schemes and not telling us or Bingo, about them, right? Bingo, on his side, never tells Gandalf that looking for Bilbo is his great desire. Gandalf has now found out much more. It will probably be necessary to run this chapter two on to head of present two, two's company and three's more. Um, so he's, this is just him recognizing, yeah, this isn't one chapter anymore. He he went, you know, the, 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 the first chapter took him all the way from the opening line through the end of the party and the setting off on the journey, and then chapter two was the journey. Um, he's he's now acknowledging there's a whole other chapter in there, right? Um, which, yep, we know that's going to be true. There's going to be a whole chapter in there that someday somebody's going to take five and a half weeks to uh, teach his way through and exploring the Lord of the Rings. Um Absolutely. Nick, I agree. It, it does seem like everyone is hiding something from one another. Um, uh, that That is... Um, and even the repetitions, Nick, of, of, of that from the previous outline that we saw, we can see he's still thinking. You know, he's persistently thinking in this way. Um, that there's some, I don't know what, distrust, 
but secrecy in any case between Gandalf and Bingo, right? Nobody's really being open with each other. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> interesting. Um, Brian says that if Bingo can keep Gandalf, uh, can keep from Gandalf that he wants to follow Bilbo, Gandalf doesn't seem to know Bingo that well at this stage. Possibly so. Possibly so. Uh, and there's even still a reference to that in the published Fellowship of the Ring that he doesn't tell Gandalf about how this desire fills him to go follow Bilbo. Um, but I do, I do, I do take your point. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, well, see, no, t- Tim asks a really good question. They are, hi- you know, are they hiding things from each other, or, do they, or does this reflect that you know Tolkien is, is is still really kind of muddled and unsure? I think he is muddled and unsure, but I, it's the repeated phrases which indicate secrecy for reasons of his own. Um, uh, Bingo on his side never tells Gandalf, right? Um, you know, and uh, back to the previous one, where were they? Roop, roop. No, not that one. Um, uh, for his own reasons. Uh, Bingo's anxious to leave for his own uh, reasons, uh, but apparently, you know, Gandalf encourages him, but apparently without telling him much, right? So that, those are the, those are the references that seem to me to make it clear that he is, he is positively suggesting uh, secretiveness, um, even if it's not really clear why they're being secretive or exactly what they're being secretive about. Um, yeah, yeah. And you're right, James, there is much more to, to find out now for Gandalf, you know, the, the reference to Gandalf finding out more. Um, remember when he was himself beginning to learn more and figure out more about rings and ring wraiths, um, you know, the first time through... And the way that he shifts that conversation over to Gandalf, it, it seems to be a natural thing that Gandalf is going to be the source of information, right? Gandalf should be the one who is learned about all these things. Um, but James, I'm glad you brought that up because, of course, notice, and we shouldn't take it for granted, this is the first reference we get to the fact that Gandalf has to figure stuff out. This is not just stuff that he already knows, right? There's something, there is a, there is a mystery that Gandalf has to solve or something, right? Or, or research he has to do, at least. Um, so the question of Gandalf figuring stuff out and gaining information now becomes, uh, now is, is, is becoming a factor. Uh, okay, let's now look at the actual narrative. So that was the outline, right? Here's our first, uh, our first Look at it. Our first look at the text, right? And the uh, the the first passage that Christopher gives us is this conversation between Gandalf and Bilbo, right? We were told about this 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 uh, important conversation that Bilbo and Gandalf have to have, and this is the one. Remember that's supposed to come right after Gandalf disappears into Bag End, right? He shows up with his cartload full of fireworks, and he goes into Bag End. And they have this conversation, which starts as it does in the published Fellowship of the Ring, with a conversation about how bright his garden looks, right? And then they get on to this. Now, make some careful observations. Tell me, how is this story different? What, what do you see? What important ideas do you see? What's interesting about the way they're depicted? All that stuff. Tell me what you observe as I read it through. You mean to go on with your plan, then? asked Gandalf. Yes, I do, Bilbo answered. I have made up my mind at last. I really must get rid of it. Well preserved indeed, he snorted. Why, I feel all this, I, I feel all this, 
all, I'm sorry, I feel all sort of stretched, if you know what I mean. Like a string that won't quite go round the parcel, or, or butter that is scraped over too much bread. And that can't be right. No, said Gandalf thoughtfully. No, I dare say your plan is the best, at any rate for you. At least at present I know nothing against it, and can think of nothing better. Yes, I suppose it may seem a bit hard on Bingo, said Bilbo, but what can I do? I can't destroy it, and after what you have told me I am not going to throw it away. But I don't want it. In fact, I can't abide it any more. But you did promise me, didn't you, to keep an eye on him, and help him if he needs it later on? Otherwise, of course, I I should have to. I will do what I can for him, said Gandalf, but I hope you will take care of yourself. Take care? I don't care, said Bilbo. And then going suddenly into a verse, as was becoming his habit more and more, he went on in a low voice, looking out of the window and with a faraway look in his eyes. And he recites The Road Goes Ever On and On at that point. Um, Okay. This is all, of course, the conversation before the party. What do you notice? James, no. We as readers do not know what it is in this context. Um, That capital I, it, I really must get rid of it, is the first reference, the first allusion to the ring in the entire book, and it seems meant to be cryptic. Um, It's uh, nowhere in this passage does he explicitly spell out what it is that they're talking about, right? Does does the word ring appear on this page? I don't think it does. Um, So yeah, that seems to be a deliberate choice on his part to kind of um, show that something is the issue, but but not give away exactly what it is at first. So that's interesting. Um, Philip says, Bilbo has made a link between the ring and how he feels. In the published text, he has not. Yes. 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 I agree. Um, From the beginning, I really must get rid of it. Well, preserved indeed. Right? That does suggest that he realizes that the ring is making him well preserved and thinking, and then what it is, and when he says that can't be right, of course you, Philip, you're remembering, right, in the published published book, he says, and that can't be right, I need a change or something, right? He's not thinking it has anything to do with the ring. In this version, when he says, and that can't be right, he means like, and this, this, what the ring is doing to me is not right, right? And so when Gandalf says, I dare say your plan is the best, what's he referring to? The plan seems to be to hand the ring off to Bingo. That's the whole point. That's the whole thing they're talking about, right? Which is why, I, I suppose, Gandalf adds, I dare say your plan is the best at any rate for you, right? Maybe this is not for the best for Bingo, right? Um, as Bilbo acknowledges, yes, I suppose it may seem a bit hard on Bingo, but what can I do, right? Um, so, yeah, they, they both of them are confronting the fact that, uh, you know, James, you were talking about Bilbo sticking Bingo with the ring. Um, Gandalf condones it, though hesitantly. Um, Bingo acknowledges the awkwardness of it, but what can he do, right? Um, Yeah, yeah. Um, Good, good. Um, 
Good. Um, Kate, you're right. Uh, he is rejecting it. You know, Kate says uh, uh, Bilbo seems to be more of an opposite of Gollum. Mm, yeah, sort of. Sort of. Maybe? Maybe not. Don't forget, Kate. New Chapter 5 hasn't been written. Right? Gollum is still the Gollum who is going to voluntarily give away the ring. We'll come back to that. Come back to that later on. Um, but, um, but yeah. Um, so, Brand is asking, why can't Bilbo destroy it or keep it? You know, it's not clear why he can't do those things here. Um, you're right, Brandon, it's not clear, right? It's, it's explicitly left vague, right? Um, I can't destroy it, and after what you have told me, I am not going to throw it away. Well, we haven't been told, right? That important piece of conversation between Gandalf and Bilbo was not conveyed to us. So we just have to take his word for it that based on whatever it was that Gandalf told him, he knows that he can't destroy it and he shouldn't throw it away. Um, So he acknowledges the impossibility of the one and the inadvisability of the other, but he doesn't want it. Right? He can't abide it anymore. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, James says I, he doesn't really like how Bilbo comes off here. You know, you'll keep an eye on him, right? If you don't, I would have to. Um, I don't think... I suspect, James, you might be misreading the tone there. Um, otherwise, of course, I should have to. I don't think this means, like... Oh, man, if you don't, then I'm going to have to, right? No, I think that that means, like, he's saying, look, Gandalf, I want you to understand, I'm going away and I'm giving up the ring, but I am sufficiently committed to Bingo's well-being that if you don't look after him, I will, right? Um, if you don't want me to have to do that, then 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 you need to promise to get... So I, I, I don't think this is a, oh, I guess I'll have to then. Great. Um... Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Um, now James Oakley makes a great point. Bilbo saying that he's made up his mind, uh, at last, at the beginning. Yes, I do. I've made up my mind at last. Sounds like he was vacillating or having doubts about getting rid of it. James, it seems to me to, uh, to be an allusion back to the conversation, apparently, that they've already had, right? After what you have told me, I'm not going to throw it away, right? So, um... You know, it took me a while to evaluate all the information that you gave me, but not the readers. And uh, having thought it all through, I've decided at last, you know, I've made up my mind at last, um, which also has a kind of the implication of I've made up my mind for good, right? Um, uh, I must get rid of it. But um, anyway, uh, Yeah, yeah, Brandon, I, Brandon, that's good, Brandon. Uh, back to the, um, um, otherwise, of course, I should have to. Brandon uh, say, says he thinks Bilbo's saying, you've said that I shouldn't be near the ring, but if you don't look after Bingo, I'm going to stay, which would thwart that part of the plan. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that that could well be implied. And we don't have enough information about what their previous conversation was to be sure about that. Um, but... Um, yeah, yeah. Um. 
<laughs> Karina's teasing me about my phrasing. Uh, she liked my phrase, I am sufficiently committed to your well-being, and she thinks I missed my uh, calling as a Valentine card writer. That would be a really romantic card, wouldn't it? Right? I am sufficiently committed to your well-being. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I think it's a, it's a touching sentiment um, uh, and, uh, uh, and very beautifully expressed. Um, Stephanie says, is there under, uh, you know, underlying guilt in Bilbo giving the ring to Bingo? I think definitely, definitely guilt. And that's, again, that's why, he, you know, he, he, a genuine concern about Bingo and about whether or not he's doing the right thing, right? And I think, you know, that's also, um, uh, James, yeah, that you're at last observation, right? I think it comes down to that too, right? It was a hard decision because it's a hard decision to say I'm going to give, you know, I'm going to place this burden on Bingo. Um, but, uh, but in the end, I, you know, I th- I've decided that's what I have to do. Um, one quick note. I'm interested in the placement of the poem here, right? Um, take care, I don't care. That coming before the party, right? Uh, to sort of show us this is not a, a torn-up Bilbo at the party, right? This is Bilbo's at peace with the decision, and we're preemptively told that prior to the party. Obviously, in order to facilitate his vanishment at the end of the party, right? Um, and our not having to worry about him so much afterwards. Uh, but the poem, right? What is it that we get? Why is that we, you know, what is the effect of giving us the poem here, right? Uh, especially since I think his feet are still weary in this version of the poem. They're not eager yet. Uh, So I think this suggests maybe the restlessness that we're looking at, the the kind of dissatisfaction. Um, I don't know. In this context, it's it's interesting to think about the poem in this context and what it suggests as Bilbo is just kind of looking out the window and thinking about leaving, right? And without having said first that he's happier than he's ever been, right? Anyway. But of course, remember, we haven't told Bingo. We're keeping secrets still. And he has said, uh, we got in that outline, that he was going to not even tell Bingo about the joke, right? So that Bingo wasn't going to know that Bilbo was going to vanish forever, at the party. So they go into the party, Bingo is looking forward to celebrating his uncle's birthday with him, right? And um, and then he vanishes and Bingo has no idea what's going on, right? No clue that it was coming. And here's the one version of that that Tolkien started writing, according to Christopher. In the hubbub that followed Bilbo's disappearance, there was one person harder hit than all the rest, and that was Bingo. He sat for some time, quite silent, in his seat beside the empty chair of his uncle, ignoring all remarks and questions, and then abandoning the party to look after itself, he slipped out of the pavilion unnoticed. "'What do we do now?' This question became more and more popular, and louder and louder. Suddenly old Rory Brandybuck, whose wits neither old age nor surprise nor an enormous dinner had quite clouded, was heard to shout, "'I never saw him go! Where is he now, anyway? Where is Bilbo? And Bingo, too, confound him!' There was no sign of their hosts anywhere. Uh, first, I think the tone of the consternation of the hobbits is really interesting here, right? Um, if um, Bilbo's take care, I don't care 
uh, is supposed to reassure us that he is leaving the Shire in a happy place, right? Um, that is, that he himself is in a happy place as he's leaving the Shire, um, and uh, we shouldn't worry about him, and leaving the ring is the right decision and everything. Uh, if that's what we're supposed to take away from that conversation, well, the event, the joke itself, this is obviously the least fun that the joke is ever, right? Um, who's who's enjoying the joke, right? Um, the guests aren't enjoying the joke. It, they're alarmed and offended, we're told in every version of it. But that all still seems like good fun, right? Um, but this image of Rory Brandybuck yelling, I never saw him go! Where is he? Where is Bilbo? Where is Bingo? Uh, first of all, it's a little bit funny that Bilbo vanishes spectacularly in the middle of all of them. Bingo just slipped out while ignoring everybody. So uh, Bingo disappeared in a perfectly mundane fashion, and but was apparently equally mysterious to Rory Brandybuck, right? So, uh, you know, there's not much there. But, um, but yeah, John, I agree. This is depressing. This is really sad. I mean, talk about taking the whole, you know, all of the joy out of the joke, right? Um, and, uh, you know, St- uh, 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 Stephen was saying it makes the joke seem really cruel, right? Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Um, you know, Brian points out that despite the prevalence of the question, none of the hobbits seem interested in or able to do anything about looking uh, for Bilbo or Bingo. Um, yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, but, um, I mean, I agree. I uh, am uh, glad that he didn't keep this element, right? The idea that Bingo would be completely shocked and and uh, taken by surprise by this, especially in the context of the handing over of the ring. And with the whole, like, dubious inheritance thing, um, and, uh, like, I am... I'm, uh, I'm not only, like, leaving you a curse behind, basically. I'm leaving you this cursed artifact that's going to that's gonna cause you the same kind of problems that I'm currently trying to escape from by handing it to you. But I'm going to do that without warning, right, and make it, like, an emotionally crushing experience uh, for you. Um, yeah. <laughs> Stephen thinks that this Bilbo would probably have written some much nastier notes with the gifts that he gives uh, that he leaves behind, <laughs> such as Dear Lobelia, Drop Dead Right Now, Love Bilbo. Maybe. Anyway, as, as I said, it's uh, uh, the fun has gone out of the, the, the moment here, right, uh, clearly. Um, but, uh, anyway, <laughs> carrying on, right, we have, um, the second version of the conversation. Now, as Christopher notes, uh, Tolkien crosses out that first conversation between Bilbo and Gandalf that we already looked at, uh, and said later, he, he, he wants to include it later after the party, which you'll remember was the original plan anyway. His original plan was to make that stuff probably end up being chapter two, right? Like the, if you want to know what happened here, let's go back to before the party and hear Gandalf and Bilbo's conversation. Instead of that, he has decided to shift it chronologically, right? So the, the main conversation between Gandalf and Bilbo happens not before the party, right after he arrives with his fireworks, but after the party when he meets him back at Bag End after uh, vanishing and playing his joke. But of course, this conversation doesn't happen in Bag End. It happens 
when Gandalf, you know, rises out of the bushes by the side of the path, right, as um, uh, Gandalf, or not Gandalf, as Bilbo and his uh, his other uh, um, uh, dwarf friends, right, are coming down the path. Um, his dwarf, his named dwarf friends. Uh, and by the way, I think a really interesting and telling point that he manufactured some more dwarf names out of the Veluspa, right? Which is where he got the dwarf names for the Hobbit. On the one hand, that seems obvious, right? Well, obviously, you're going to come up with some more dwarf names. You take them from the same source, you took the other ones, right? Later on, though, he... That is, years later, he's going to look back scathingly on the, like, random lifting of names out of the Velospa for his, like, you know, uh, 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 random idaic dwarves. Um, it's one of the critiques he's going to make of The Hobbit in later years. The fact that he's still going there, right, that he's still doing that, again shows, I think, some a little bit of something about how his method hasn't yet changed. His whole way of looking at this hasn't yet changed thoroughly yet. Um, okay. Uh, so we're picking up, again, the same kind of conversation. Uh, um, uh, so this is right after Bilbo has said he feels like uh, butter scraped over two. He's, you know, he does the string and parcel and butter and bread metaphor and saying that it doesn't seem right, uh, just like he did in the previous version. No, said Gandalf thoughtfully. No, I was afraid it might come to that. I dare say your plan is the best, at any rate for you. At least at present I do not feel I know enough to say anything definite against it. There's Gandalf confessing his ignorance, right? There's Gandalf needing to do some research and figure things out, right? Um, Gandalf recognizing that he himself doesn't really know enough to understand fully the situation. What else can I do? I can't destroy the thing, and after what you have told me, I am not going to throw it away. Oddly enough, I find that impossible to make up my mind to do. I simply put it back in my pocket. I find it very hard to leave behind. And yet I don't want it. Indeed, I can't abide it any more. But you did promise to keep an eye on Bingo, didn't you? And to help him if he needs it later on? Otherwise, of course, I should hardly be able to go. I should have to stop and put up with it. I should have to stop and put up with it. Uh, stop, meaning, of course, that's the, the that, uh, 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 British usage of the verb stop, which we don't use in America, meaning to stay there, right? Um, not to stop what he's doing, but to, 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 to stop at bag end, meaning to stay there. Um, so, I think it's, it's yes, James, This I agree, this does seem to match my reading of the earlier passage, right? With him not just being like, oh, gosh, I'll have to stay if you don't. Right, exactly. I think that we can see that here much more clearly. Notice the element, notice the new element, Right? It's been shifted, which is, I think, important, right? That this is Bilbo actually on his way out after the party. Um, but more important, do you notice the, uh, the, uh, the new element? Good. John Caldwell says, Every time he revisits this scene with the passing on of the ring, Bilbo finds it harder and harder to give up. Absolutely, yes. Uh, yes, exactly. Ben was pointing out the same thing. Uh, James Lieback, uh, the ring uh, 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 getting control. Absolutely. Um, I find it impossible to make up my mind to do. I simply put it back in my pocket. <clears throat> now, 
notice that it doesn't have a hold on his conscious mind. That is, it doesn't change his mind about it. He doesn't want the ring. He can't abide the ring. He is sick of the ring. He wants to get rid of the ring. He knows it's the right thing to do. It's what he really, really wants to do. But he is acknowledging it's super hard to do, right? It's hard to make up my mind to do. I, I, I know it's... It's hard to actually take the step. Um, so Bilbo acknowledges that there's something that just makes him put it back in his pocket. The ring is controlling him. Um, we saw the very beginnings of this idea at the end of the first phase, right? That was a, um, a an idea that was that was slow to develop, and we saw him insisting on it more. The gradual getting, you know, the way that the ring gradually gets control over its possessor. That's one of the things that he was working out more in his reconsideration stuff at the end last time, right? So it's one of the things that we can see him beginning to retcon backwards. And of course, it's a crucial thing. How hard is it for Bilbo to give up the ring? Answer, still not all that hard. Not nearly as hard as before. He doesn't call it my precious, right? We don't see him wanting, you know, threaten to fight Gandalf for it, you know, nothing like that. Um, and, and yes, Arthur, I agree, there is nothing in the published text that even uh, 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 vaguely compares to I can't abide it anymore, yeah. There is no sense of, like, revulsion towards the ring, which is what Bilbo seems to show here, right? I, I, I don't want it, I can't stand it, I, I, I must get rid of it. Um, he doesn't even seem to be aware of that in, uh, uh, in, in the published text. Yeah, exactly, Arthur, and so therefore less parallel uh, to, the Go- to the Gollum story. Well... Sort of. Less parallel to Gollum's later story, maybe. Um, We'll come back to that. Okay. Continuing on, same scene. I will do what I can for him, said Gandalf. What have you done with it, meanwhile? It is in the envelope, with my will and other papers. Lofar is giving it to Bingo as soon as he comes in. My dear Bilbo, and with Otho Sackville Baggins about the place, and that Lobelia wife of his? Really, you are getting reckless, and I suppose you left the door unlocked as usual? Yes, I am afraid I did. I rather fancy Bingo will be creeping off home before anyone else. Fancy is not safe enough, but you may be right. He knows about it, of course. (laughs) Bilbo left it on the mantelpiece successfully, right? Not just, didn't just put it there, right, with Gandalf in the room, as he attempts and fails to do in the published text. But he, he, he left it behind. So when Bing, notice that, right? Notice that when Bilbo and Gandalf are having this conversation in this version, he's already left it behind. It's currently sitting on the mantelpiece, right? Um, and unsecured, right? Um, so, uh, Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> Arthur says, who is Lofar? That Bilbo would trust him with his papers and ring. Well, he's a dwarf, apparently. And uh, I guess a trustworthy kind of guy, right? <laughs> but yeah, it's... Notice the lack of paranoia of Bilbo, right? And the beginnings of paranoia with Gandalf, right? We don't yet have Gandalf being like, keep it safe, right? Um, 
But we do see him chiding Bilbo for the really quite shockingly low level of, uh, of, of security precautions that he has taken with the ring here, right? Um, which is on its own interesting, right? Because the question, what does Gandalf know about the ring? What has he told Bilbo exactly? How much has he told Bilbo? Is, is, um, has he told him the whole Gollum story? Does he know it's a ring of power? Does he know it comes from the necromancer? Does he know that it's the necromancer's special ring? We've had the ruling ring concept finally worked out at the end. Does, it, does Gandalf know that? Um, if Gandalf still has to figure stuff out, which we're told, how much does he still have to figure out? Um, so, yeah, it's... Um, uh, he doesn't seem... Gandalf doesn't seem that alarmed here, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brian says, just imagine Lobelia getting her hands on the ring. Uh, yeah, I agree. Ben says, says in the Sackville Baggins, this is the first real threat to the quest, for the, the quest of the ring. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Carson Cole points out, everyone knows you can trust dwarves with treasure, so uh, what's, what's everybody worried about? Um yeah, James, exactly. The one detail that we're told about their previous un, as yet unrevealed to us conversation is that he knows he shouldn't throw it away. Based on what Gandalf told him, he knows he shouldn't throw it away. Um, and if you think about the stuff that we got, the early stuff that Tolkien was kind of working through when he figured out the whole Ringwraith thing, right? The whole Rings of Power and Ringwraith thing was that, remember, people did throw away rings, why don't you throw away rings? You don't throw away rings because some other poor chump might find it and get wraithified, right? That's why you don't throw away rings. Um, at least, you know, in the early version when we were getting that. So are we supposed to understand that Gandalf knows about rings in general, recognizes this is a ring of power now, knows how ring of powers act, that is, they turn things into raids, and lots of folks of different races have been turned into raids at various points by this mechanism, and that, that you can sometimes find these rings of power lying around, um, just waiting to wraithify somebody else. Um, is that what he knows? And the thing that he needs to figure out is, oh no, this is not a generic issue ring of power, this is the ruling ring, right? Um, if I had to guess, that would be my guess as to exactly where he is. Right. But we don't really know. I mean, it's so little to go on. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ben is imagining Lobelia getting the ring. In place of the Dark Lord, you had set up a queen, small, evil spirited, uh, and petty. Yes, exactly. All right. Uh, continuing on. What does he know, right? Or what what did Gandalf say? Uh, He knows about it, of course. He he does. You have told him about the ring. He knows that I have or had the ring. He has read my private memoirs, for one thing, and he also has some idea, uh, changed to, he may have an inkling that it has some other uh, effects uh, uh, than just making you invisible on occasion. But he doesn't or didn't know quite what I was beginning to feel about it. But after all, as it cannot be destroyed and can only be handed on, it had best be handed on to him. I chose him as the best in all the Shire, and he is my heir. He knows that I am leaving that to him with all the rest. I don't suppose he would ask to be excused this responsibility and take only the money. He will miss you pretty badly, you know. Yes, I found it hard to make up my mind. 
It is hard on him, but not too hard, I think. The time has come for him to be on his own to be his own master. After all, if things had been more uh normal, he would have been losing me soon anyway, if he had not already done so. I am sorry to cheat all my dear people of a grand funeral, how they did enjoy old tooks. But there it is. Okay. First thing. This is where I had uh this is the moment where I want to talk about chapter five of The Hobbit. Um because Bingo has read Bilbo's private memoirs. That's what he knows about the ring. So let's pause and make sure we know what that means, right? You will remember the business in the published Fellowship of the Ring where, you know, he... um, uh, Frodo says, he told me the story, and Gandalf says, which story, I wonder, right? And, And Frodo says, oh, not the one he put in his book, right? The real story. And of course, he's referring to chapter five. And just for those, just to make sure everyone is on the same page, I don't want to take things for granted. Um, in the first edition of The Hobbit, the story is that Gollum really intends. Bilbo still finds the ring on his own, puts his hand on it in the dark, right? Um, uh, but the terms of the of the game with Gollum really are that that he, Gollum, will give Bilbo a present if Bilbo wins. Gollum fully intends to give him his magic ring. And when he goes out to his island and finds, after he loses, and he goes out, you know, by, by not being able to guess the answer to the what do I have in my pockets question, and he goes out to the island and, uh, and uh, looks for the ring and can't find it, he comes back and he's terribly apologetic. I am so sorry. I did not mean to cheat. I said I would give you a present, and now I don't have a present to give you, and I'm terribly upset about that, and you're going to think I meant to cheat, and would you like some fish instead? Um, and that's when Bilbo suggests, says, no thanks, I'm fine without the raw fish. If you could just show me the way out instead, that'd be fine. And Bilbo says, or, or Gollum says, okay, fine. And uh, and shows him the way out, and they part in friendship. So that is that is the story. That is what is in Bilbo's memoirs. We've seen several references to Bilbo's memoirs, right? We know that Bilbo's memoirs are the published Hobbit. And the published Hobbit is still that. And as I say, it's not just that the new chapter hasn't been put into the published Hobbit, right? Which it is prior to the publication of the Fellowship of the Ring, but it's Tolkien hasn't even written it yet, right? He's not anywhere close to having written it yet. Um, so the the story that he's connecting to, um, when he says that Bingo has read my memoirs. Um, Let's stop and think, what does that mean he knows about the ring, right? Um, You know, we've talked about the extent to which Bilbo is parallel with with Gollum. But let's be careful, right? Not second edition Gollum. First edition Gollum. What do we know about first edition Gollum? We know that he looks nasty, right? And so... uh, um, Gandalf explains in the first version of that Gollum story that we got in what is chapter 3 of Return of the Shadow um, that he was corrupted and physically twisted by the ring, right? Presumably that's what Bilbo was alluding to. That's what the thin and stretch stuff... Like This is the first stages of turning into... Presumably if he continues on, he's going to end up looking just like Gollum. But what about his character? Well... Gollum's character wasn't quite so bad, 
Right? I mean, yes, he did still want to eat Bilbo. That was that was you know still part of the story and everything, and that's not great. But he doesn't cheat at the game, right? And he really was going to give it away. So let's focus on that. Gollum meant to give the ring away. Could Gollum not abide it? Did Gollum want to get rid of it? That element is still there in the published Fellowship of the Ring. Gandalf says that Gollum hates the ring, right? Hates the ring most of all. Um, And wants to get rid of it, but can't, right? In the first edition, Gollum... Again, the first edi- looking back at the first edition from the perspective of this text, right? I think that we can probably conclude, or are meant to conclude, Gollum wants to get rid of the ring and lost, thinks he lost his chance. Why is Gollum so upset? See, now it begins to take on a new meaning. In the original Hobbit, he's just upset because Bilbo's going to think that he's cheating, and he hates to think that anyone thinks that he's cheating, because he's an honest critter, Gollum is, in The Hobbit, right? But now, in retrospect, in the new context of the Ring of Power, now it begins to sound completely different, right? Not yet as different as it will later on, but already different. Maybe Gollum promised to give him the ring if he lost the riddle game because he really wanted to give it to somebody else. He couldn't just chuck it away. He can't destroy it. He didn't have anybody to hand it on to. And here's this opportunity to get somebody to hand it on to. And he wants to, and he, oh, he, he should have, but he finds that he loses it instead. Um, exactly, James. The rules of the riddle game that he would never, never, never cheat now become an excuse for him to get rid of it. Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, that's how it seems to me to work when you think back. To, and again, I see no reason, no reason at all to suspect that it's any kind of a different Gollum, that the idea of Gollum has changed fundamentally from that one. Okay. Um, so, back to bingo. Um He, so... Bingo knows the story of the ring. He knows about Gollum. He thinks he has some idea, or perhaps an inkling of an idea, that it has some other effects than just making you visible, invisible on occasion, right? Does he know about the negative side? Well, yes, he just doesn't know that it's bad, right? He doesn't or didn't know quite what I was beginning to feel about it. Um, He knows that it's extended my life, but he doesn't realize that that has filled me with uh, increasing revulsion until I can't abide it anymore and really, really wish to get rid of the ring. He doesn't know about that, right? Well, Bilbo, okay, that doesn't seem very nice not to tell him that. Um, But notice what he does say about Frodo, right? Two things here that are quite new. Uh, First, I chose Bingo deliberately because I thought he was the best hobbit in the Shire, and therefore I thought he would be the most worthy person to take over the ring, right? Uh, The best person I could possibly give the ring to. That's interesting. Secondly, I believe that he will take on this responsibility. That he wouldn't... I don't suppose he would ask to be excused this responsibility. Even if he did know everything, I believe that he would voluntarily take it on, Bilbo says. 
Um, now, of course, you could say that that's easy to say, but I don't see any reason to doubt Bilbo here. Um, so it's not quite as bad as perhaps it sounds at first, but it's still fairly indirect. Um, it's hard on him, but not too hard, right? Um, and that, of course, he's referring to his own departure. And I love his rationale, right? Like, if it hadn't been for the ring, let's face it, I'd be dying of old age right now anyway, right? So, like, you know, I, he's going to lose me anyway. Everybody loses their uncle sooner or later, and most of them sooner than me. So, you know, uh, it's all good. Um, Sharon, great question. If if Bilbo deliberately chose Bingo knowing, you know, that he needed, like, an heir for the ring, how long has he really known about the nature of the ring? Great question. It seems... Mm, a while, right? I'm forgetting. I Their ages change so much, I can't remember off the top of my head how many years it's been since he was adopted. Wasn't... Wasn't... Was Bingo 29 when he was adopted? Or 42? I can't remember. Again, it's changes so much. Somebody look it up and tell me. No, he wasn't 12. He, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was an adult, or close to an adult. Um, somebody look it up and tell me when he was in this, in the ballpark of this text, uh, how old he was when he was adopted. But it's, it's, it's been a while. I mean, it's been, it's been decades, um, that he has been adopted. So, yeah, uh, that suggests that Bilbo did know about it or did suspect about it way back. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, we get the repetition here. This is now the conversation between Frodo and Gandalf. Um, how much do you know? Gandalf has just asked. Only Bilbo's tale of how he got it, from that Gollum creature, and how he used it afterwards. On his journey, I mean. I don't think he used it much after he came home, though he used to disappear, or not be findable, rather mysteriously sometimes, if things were a bit inconvenient. We saw the Sackville Bagginses coming when we were out walking one day, and he disappeared, and came out from behind a hedge after they had gone by. Being invisible has its advantages. Um, <clears throat> and we're told uh, in a note the content of the letter that Bing- Bilbo left for Bingo in the envelope with the ring. Here's the ring. Please accept it. Take care of it and yourself. Ask Gandalf if you want to know more. <laughs> That's a fairly short goodbye note, especially when you don't tell Bingo the joke. But I think that that concept had already dropped away. He seems to have dropped that almost immediately. So I don't think that necessarily this is... If that's his letter when he hasn't even told him, you know, when he when, when, when the joke caught Bingo by surprise, then that's just mean, right? Um... Uh, but I don't think I don't think that that's uh, that's that's quite the case. Um, ben says he finds it quite astonishing how much Gandalf and Bilbo seem to know about the nature of the ring. Yeah, or at least they have some good guesses. Again, Ben, the one thing that I would say, the one thing that we get no whiff of in this whole chapter, is the idea of the ruling ring, or indeed, really, of its explicit connection to Sauron. Right. Um, the emphasis is only on the effect of the ring upon the the wearer. So that's why, Ben, as I was saying earlier, my suspicion is that the concept here is that what Gandalf knows is that it's a ring of power. And he knows generically what rings of power do, and so they're thinking of it generically as a ring of power, but Gandalf is worried and he's going to do a little bit more research to see if he can figure out something more about this ring in particular, which is 
then going to be leading, presumably, to the whole ruling ring conversation. Um, yeah, yeah, good. Um, good. Okay, so... Bilbo's story about the ring, right? So we've got, we've got, we already talked about Bilbo's story in his book, right? How he got it from that Gollum creature. Um, we don't think he used it much after he came home, though apparently he did sometimes, right? So what about that, Gandalf? Is that a big deal? Uh, but it also has its disadvantages, Gandalf says. It does not do much harm as a joke, nor even to avoid inconveniences, but even these are, but even these things have to be paid for. Also, making yourself invisible when you wish is not the only property of the ring. I know what you mean, said Bingo. Bilbo did not seem to change much. They called him well preserved, but I must say that all, but I must say that also seems to me to have its advantages. <laughs> right here's Bingo. He's like, hmm. Uh, indefinite youth. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing the upside of that, Gandalf. I really am. Yeah, I can't make out why the dear old thing left the ring behind. Right? Okay, so we can see where Bingo is on this. He, Gandalf, brings this up as, as you know, its, its advantages are that you can avoid the Sackville Bagginses with it, right? But it also has its disadvantages. Um, it does other things to you as well. And Bingo's like, yeah, I know, it keeps you young, right? I mean, like, it's pretty sweet. I think that has advantages. I can't make out why he left the ring behind. Didn't he want it anymore? I mean, it was pretty cool when it was just a ring of invisibility. Now that it's now that we know it's a ring of invisibility and a ring of perpetual youth, I mean, come on, right? That's got to increase its street value. So, uh, absolutely. Um... He can't make it out. No, I expect you cannot yet, but you may find out the disadvantages of that as well, in time. For instance, Bilbo seemed a bit restless of late years, didn't he? Notice how gentle Gandalf is being, how cautious he's being, um, how little he's saying. And this is the conversation you'll remember when we were twice told in earlier outlines, um, you know, by talking that he was, like, not telling Bingo stuff, right? That he was playing things close to the vest with Bingo. And we see him still doing that, but he's... This conversation, in this conversation, he doesn't... um, It doesn't sound to me like he's being secretive, exactly, but rather that he's being cautious, um, not revealing too much. Um, But again, he's not keeping things from Bingo. He's kind of walking him around to it in this almost Socratic fashion, right? Um, Not exactly Socratic. He's not asking questions, but... um, But it's... It's it's like that, anyway. Um, The way that he kind of is coaxing him around point by point. Um, For instance, Bilbo seemed a bit restless of late years, didn't he? That's the part that makes me think Socratic, right? Didn't he seem a, a bit restless? And what does that suggest? And oh, so perhaps that also is a side effect of the ring. And so therefore we can see that it has mm, disadvantages, right? So we should be careful, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, uh, you know, this, 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 that seems to be his whole approach with Bingo here. Um, and I don't know what that means. I don't know if that, if that, if we're meant to understand from that, that Gandalf has less confidence 
in bingo? Is there relationship not of a place where he can just come out and say all these things? As apparently he could to Bilbo, right? Um, but um, but yeah, Sarah, we do get the re- the return of the ring restlessness here. Um, yeah, yeah, um, that certainly still seems to be a thing. I don't want to alarm you, but I want you to be careful. Take care of the ring. Oops, uh, one. One, only one ring. Take care of the ring and take care of yourself and watch yourself. Don't use the ring or let it get any more uh, power over you than you can help. Keep it secret and let me know if you hear, see, or feel anything at all odd. All right. But what is all this about? What a good question, Bingo. What a mysterious speech that was. You don't want to alarm him, Gandalf? How would you talk if you did want to alarm him, right? Take care of the ring and watch yourself. Don't let it get any more power over you than you can help. Okay. Uh, In what sense power over me, right? I mean, that's... um, that's Yeah, you know, Carson, I wonder. Carson is saying, I wonder if we can... can, uh, imply uncertainty on Gandalf's party. He doesn't want to say too much because he's he's not sure of things. Yes. Well, but see, it seems to me that he is sure that it's a ring of power, right? Um, it is at least one of those generic rings that probably has wraithified somebody and they've chucked off and, and now Bilbo found it and it could be, you know, it seems to be wraithifying him slowly. Um... I, I think that's uh, that's the that seems to be kind of on the table. Like I, it's almost hard, it's almost it's very difficult for me not to imagine that that wasn't the to- the subject of the conversation that we didn't hear that he and Bilbo had, right? Um, but um, uh, anyway, yeah, James, uh, yes, that's another good. I, I you know I was saying Socratic. James says it sounds like he doesn't want to lead the witness. I know he wants to see what Bingo understands. Yeah, James, that, that like a probing, right? Sort of trying to probe his understanding or even his attitude towards it. Um, but yeah, especially that last bit, you know, the the um, don't use the ring or let it get any more uh, power over you than you can help. Um, I don't even know how we can understand this. I mean, here's, you know, all right, says <laughs> Bingo. All right, will do, right? But uh, what is all this about? I don't. I don't know. I'm not quite sure. I begin to guess, and I don't like the guesses. But I am now going off to find out as much as I can. Before I have done so, I am not going to say any more, except to warn you and to promise you what help I can give. Um, okay, so I, I'm. 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 I, I'm going to support you, right? But I don't want to say any more than I than I know. So this seems to be. Uh, right, James, if the ring offers you a good deal for your soul, say no, James suggests. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Karita says that I don't want to alarm you speeches, uh, never work, really. Um, (laughs) it's, it's, yeah, yeah. Um, This is the first hint that we get about 
Gandalf's guesses. This seems to me a shift from the outlines, as of course we see so many times, right? When he actually begins to write out the scenes, it shifts away from the initial idea he had in the outline. In the initial outline, it really did sound like he was simply being, um, he was simply being secretive with Bingo. He is being cautious with Bingo here, but I don't think he's withholding information exactly. He won't... He's not being upfront with him, right? He's not sharing with him his own guesses and fears. Uh, but, but he's not hiding things from him exactly. And this, this is a new idea. This, uh, I'm beginning to guess, and I don't like the guesses thing. Um... Is uh, seems to be a new, uh, a new concept. Uh, <laughs> exactly, exactly, Ben. Don't tr- uh, uh, don't trust anything that can think if you don't know where it keeps its brain. Does seem to be more or less the tone of the advice that he's giving. Uh, the Weasley maxim. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but notice we do have, and this is something that was clear from the outlines, is important again to, 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 to Tolkien. He has Gandalf telling Bingo from the beginning not to use the ring, right? Having him cautioning him against using the ring. Remember back in the Reconsiderations chapter, it was one of the puzzles, right? Wait a second. Bingo can't put on the ring when the Black Rider comes around the corner, right? That can't happen. It now doesn't work at all. But why wouldn't he, right? What possible reason could there be for Bingo not to put on the ring when the mysterious stranger comes around the corner? So he must somehow be warned. Um, so that, that urgent need for Gandalf to tell him, don't use the ring, we've eventually come around to that, right? But uh, it took him a while to get there. Okay. Um... Now, Bingo does still come in for regular wizard checkups, right? He felt restless. He used to look at maps and wonder what it was like beyond their edges. Hobbit maps made in the Shire did not extend very far east or west of its borders, and he began to feel sometimes a sort of thin feeling, as if he was being stretched out over a lot of days and weeks and months, but was not fully there somehow. He could not explain any better to Gandalf, though he tried to. Gandalf nodded thoughtfully. Here's Gandalf again, not saying anything, but continuing to nod thoughtfully, right, at this as this stuff goes on. Um, yeah, now, Arthur, great point. Sorry, going back for a second. Um, Arthur was interested in the er here. Great observation, Arthur. Um, the hesitation, right? Gandalf's hesitation. Um, Arthur thinks that the er seems out of place there. Um, we've seen two ers, right? Um, Er number one was with uh, Bilbo. Bilbo gave a double er before coming up with his butter metaphor. I feel like uh, uh, butter stretched over too much bread, right? There, the ers denoted uh, Bilbo racking his brain, trying to come up with the right metaphor to try to... Because it's a really weird, vague kind of feeling that he's experiencing, and he doesn't quite know how to convey it, right? Um, So he's struggling with that, and that struggle is what's reflected in the Earth. So what's Gandalf struggling with? Um, The word power. He doesn't know what to say or how to say. Now, I don't... This is not like Bilbo, right? This is not... um, 
this is not uh, um, this is not Bilbo thinking like what metaphor can I use or you know what simile would appropriately convey this you know through what analogy can I capture this experience that's what Bilbo's er is right Gandalf's not trying to come up with an image he's trying to choose a word the word he ends up using is power right um but let's just stop where he stopped. Don't use the ring or let it get any more... What? Remember how cautious he's being. Uh, I, I, and Arthur, I take that er as him being very careful how he says what he's trying to convey. He wants to give a warning, right? Um, I'm thinking, based on other... Um, um, yeah, James is suggesting control, right? Control, hold is a word, James, that I would suggest there, right? Don't let it get any more hold over you, right? Um, he doesn't go there, right? He decides instead to go with power. Don't let it get any more power over you. Um, influence, right? Maybe you could go with influence. Um, but uh, Arthur, you're right. We, I don't remember Gandalf saying er at any point and stumbling for words like this. But then again, we rarely see Gandalf acting this way at all. That is, this kind of, I'm being really cautious and beating around the bush and not going to... I mean, we see Gandalf keeping his own counsel and refusing to explain things at other points in the published text, but rarely do we see him just kind of like being careful in this way. Um... Yeah, yeah. James Oakley suggests domination. Uh, James Lieback says, uh, you know, a modern person might say leverage, right? Uh, uh, yeah, both Stephen and Yana suggest influence, right? Interesting that he ends up choosing power, Gandalf, right, in this moment. Um, my suspicion is that it's... I mean, is he hinting, Right? This ring, don't let it get any power over you. Has Would Bingo have heard stories about rings of power? Would that be a thing he would know from legends and stuff? Is he hinting uh, very indirectly, right? Don't let it get any power over you, right? I, I don't know. Um, it just seems an interesting... Uh, an interesting point, and, and Arthur, the the er really draws attention to it. I agree with you. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, now, Kate speculates whether or not he's maybe just thinking out loud. He doesn't know the true nature of the ring. Uh, and, you know, and uh, yeah, uh, Kate says, one wonders uh, whether Tolkien writing this for Gandalf sets him on the path uh, to uh, uh, to committing to the idea of the ring of the ruling ring of power, um, yeah. So maybe this is Gandalf being like, "Don't let it get any more uh, power over you." You know, is this him realizing? Um, he just says, "Kate, right in the next paragraph, I begin to guess and don't like the guesses." Was he guessing? Like, did that did did his own sentence lead him to a guess there? Right? Don't want to get any more power. Oh shoot! <laughs> right? I mean, is that what just happened? Maybe. Maybe, I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, right, James James Stevens says, I don't want to alarm you, but that's a ring of power that you have. Right, exactly. Another one of those great I don't want to alarm you sentences. Um, good. All right. And yeah, so uh, thinking about the next passage, uh, let's just finish this up because I went on to this one and then we'll be done. Um, I agree with, I don't remember who said it because it was a while back and we went backwards, but um, I... Yeah. Shoot. I can't remember. Oh, yes. There it is. Stephen Cover says uh, he's feeling the corruption quite early. Yes. Yes. We do see Bingo not only being affected, but being aware of being affected, having that same stretched feeling um, very quickly, right? Within just the first few years, apparently. And Gandalf observing him, right? Um, uh, <laughs> Karita thinks that she doesn't. Uh, she's she's not sure that she would want Gandalf as her therapist, uh, and I can agree with that. Um, in, instead, uh, Karita doesn't Gandalf sound more like um, like the the scientist running the lab experiment here, right? Uh, you know, yes. Uh, tell me how you feel. Mm, very interesting. I, I, I will make some notes. Right, I'm going to go talk to the control group now. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, it's it's uh, you know Gandalf's nodding thoughtfully is uh, is really interesting there. Um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Stephen says he's clearly uh, fr- uh, bingo. Uh, clearly is coming down with early onset ring restlessness. Um, yeah. <laughs> James Leeback imagines Gandalf saying, "Tell me about your uncle." Uh, yes, yes, exactly. Um, good, good. Do you feel that you drove him away with a, this uh, rivalry? But they have no, they have, no, there are no females involved. So, uh, you know, who's he going to have an Oedipal complex about? Uh, anyway, okay. I'm going to let you guys go. So after, according to your vote, we're going to postpone next week. So we're going to meet again, uh, two weeks from tonight, back at our regular time. I'll be back home in my regular place. Um, so enjoy your week off. My family's going to be skiing up in the White Mountains up here uh, in New Hampshire, where, though we've had a warm spell, we still have some snow. Uh, so we're going to be doing our, 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 our winter thing here at the end of February. I look forward to getting back, and we're going to plow through, speaking of snow, we're going to plow through uh, the second and the third phase here over the next, uh, over through the month, month of, uh, of March. So thanks, everybody. Um, and I hope you guys have a good time next week too, and I will see you in a fortnight. Good night now. Bye.